0: I talk for Dublin with Head and Shoulders giving you the confidence to hang up your hang-ups on 98FM.
1: Do you think paedophilia could be a sexual orientation? 53981. we We're joined right now by Dr. James Cantor who's Senior Scientist at the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health and Associate Professor at University of Toronto's Faculty of Medicine. Do you think if we view paedophilia as a sexual orientation that society would be able to handle the idea of a better and indeed deal with people who are pedophilic in a different way that would make them not offend
2: I think probably I think if we realize mostly that nobody asks to be attracted to whatever it is that they're attracted to that we would have a much more rational set of of laws and responses to the problem Uh, it's really just because we view all of the uh, we usually walk around thinking that everybody who's a pedophile is exactly the same kind of, the very worst kind of pedophile that we read about in the news. Now, of course, it will be the most extreme cases that get reported in the news, but those are, as I say, thankfully very rare. And it's unfortunate that it's the most scary cases and the most extreme cases that is usually designing the entire uh, correctional system's response when really we should be aiming our response according to the specific case in front of us, and most of them are, are uh, very, very few of them are that hyper-extreme type. We just end up spending an enormous amount of money and an enormous amount of time, but not actually accomplishing anything.
0: Okay, we've actually got a text in from um, a, a text here, 53981 for 20 cents. Um, and the person says, Dr. Cantor is dead right. I'm attracted to prepubescent boys only, not women or men at all. Can you ask him what drugs are available to reduce sexual desire? Now, this person hasn't said that they've acted on these urges or anything yeah. like that at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to put that question to you.
2: Sure, um, happy to, and that situation is, as I say, what, uh, what a lot of these people have to go through. We are asking them to live a completely celibate life with no exceptions whatsoever, and sometimes taking the edge off of a, sex, uh, of a man's sex drive can be an important part of that. Uh, I can't name the, uh, the specific medications, but one, uh, two that he could uh, uh, bring to either his doctor or even look for more information on the Internet. Uh, one of them, I hate to say it because it's almost become cliché, the uh, the Prozac family of drugs. Mm. uh, They're called SSRIs, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Uh, Prozac is one of those, Paxil is one of those, and so on. Oddly, that family of medications has as a side effect the reduction of sex drive. Mm. So, of course, we can use that exactly in order to get the reduction in sex drive. Some people find that very, very helpful. Uh, the more powerful uh, drugs that sometimes we prescribe and require very, very close supervision from an endocrinologist would be the uh, anti-testosterone drugs. Usually, these would be um, uh, these would be uh, uh, prescribed for a man with prostate cancer, which is sensitive to testosterone in the system. So, the synthesis, the creation of new testosterone, is blocked by various drugs, which reduces testosterone, which reduces sex drive. So, either one of those family. Uh, 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 Either one of those two family of drugs can be very, very helpful.
1: Okay, so that is, and I think... It's very brave someone having asked that question. Yes, I have
2: nothing but respect for uh, for these people who know which way is up, know what they need to do, and even though we have made it so difficult, they will still come forth and ask for help. Well, that's
0: the thing. Could you imagine walking into your doctor, your your GP, and telling him something like that? It would be very hard. And I have to be honest; even reading that out, I feel a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, that's how yeah.
2: extreme it's become.
0: Yeah. And I suppose in relation to this, we're seeing it more and more. And,
1: you know, it's being used in fiction an awful lot. These people who are fighting sexual desires and fighting sexual urges. Mm. And of course, you've got people priests and everything who are celibate. Um, is that in your head? Is that what it is, Dr. Cantor, that someone is fighting like that they have demons almost, that they feel like they're fighting all the time to overcome these urges?
2: Yes. Ironically, it's the good ones who are fighting. Mm, They do exist. They're a relatively small proportion, but it's the proportion we always hear from and that we're scared of, uh, who are a bit psychopathic and do not care about good or evil. They have no struggle whatsoever. But it's the ones who are struggling that really is the norm. And those are the ones we need to help. So I suppose the
0: question remains, what What else can be done for these people who think that they, they have got urges? How do we treat them? How do you I mean, we often talk about this on the show. They talk about, you know, chemical cast, castration. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of people have very hard line views on this and, and you know quite barbaric kind of views on it in some ways when they think of of somebody being a paedophile. How do you think it's best treated?
2: The first way really is to help these people be a bit less alone. My experience is that when somebody does commit a a, a sexual offence, they do so when they feel that they have absolutely nothing left. uh, They they feel that they don't have a life worth protecting. They're the most desperate and there's just no point in trying to resist that uh, uh, the world has dealt them a bad hand. The Unfortunately, the way we respond actually makes them more desperate instead of less. So I think the best responses we can do are to make them less desperate. Sometimes it's just having one person to be able to debrief with now and then, confidentially and appropriately. Uh, Sometimes it can be a therapist. Sometimes it can be a therapist in a very specific situation where the confidentiality can be maintained. And sometimes, uh, uh, you mentioned them already, and I'll refer to them again, uh, the Virtuous Pedophiles. Mm. I'm not crazy about the name, but they're a wonderful group.
0: Uh, uh,
2: Their website is, I think, uh, v-i-r-p-e-d dot com. They're an organization of uh, people who really just provide uh, support to each other, knowing what they're going through. Uh, sometimes they can help each other uh, find physicians if they're in a similar area, but just the recognition that they're not alone and there's somebody else who's been through it and doing it successfully is mostly what it takes in order to help them make it through all of life, perfectly healthy and without hurting anybody.
1: Obviously, you know, you're, you're involved in an area. Um, that you know makes people queasy when you're thinking about it but you're trying to understand it there is a lot has been said in various countries around the world about having a public sex offenders registry now you've said that there's different people who sexually molest children and paedophiles that they can be different what do you make of the idea of having that sort of a registry for people who have been convicted of these sort of crimes?
2: Well, I understand the motivation behind it. The basic idea is, of course, if, somebody, if there's going to be a sex offender in the neighborhood, people want to know who it is because they think that way they can keep their kids away or they can protest or they can somehow humiliate the person to go into a different neighborhood. I understand that that's the motivation, but really the effect is to make things worse instead of better. Uh, one of the biggest problems we have in, uh, in this field, both scientifically and, uh, and clinically, is people don't report when there's abuse happening inside the family. That's the most common situation. Now, if you imagine there's a, a, a woman, two kids in the house, and she has a live-in boyfriend, a husband, ex-husband, whatever, uh, and she's beginning to suspect that he's doing something inappropriate with the kids, the first thing we want to tell her to do is, of course, call the police, and that's her decision, hmm. but she's not sure. Really what's going to happen is when she knows that it's not going to be just his name, it's the whole family who is now going to be in, uh, under scrutiny in the entire neighborhood. Yeah. So the knowledge that she also and her kids are going to become known is going to prevent her from calling the police in the first place.
1: Right.
2: So we're actually, in our hysteria, probably making things harder yeah. Yeah. For women trying to protect their children, or any parent trying to protect uh, trying to protect any child.
0: So, if, if you do think that paedophilia is sexual orientation, therefore, does that mean that it cannot be cured?
2: That's what it seems like. Uh, it seems, and again, I, I want to be very cautious about drawing the analogy between plain vanilla, healthy homosexuality and paedophilia. The, the only commonality being that, at least for men, this is a deep, inborn. Characteristic that men come to realize over yeah. life rather than something we can change or a reaction to something in our environment. We have to, uh, uh, the best strategies come from realizing that it's not going to change and we need to manage it. Any attempt we've ever come up with to try to uh, uh, change it has really mostly just been manipulated. Uh, for example, I'll get a uh, a uh, psychopathic patient coming in saying, oh, yes, I took uh, treatment with Dr. X and now I'm cured. Can I have custody of my children back?
1: OK, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's very that's actually a very interesting thing to speak about. It's a fascinating, fascinating yeah. subject. And you're continuing to do your research on it. Senior scientists at the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health and the associate professor at University of Toronto, the Faculty of Medicine there. Dr. James Cantor, thank you so much for joining us.
2: My
1: pleasure. Um, There's so many messages that we've gotten in on this. Uh, Sean says, that sounds absurd to say the least. Uh, Being gay may be genetic. There's nothing wrong with that. Same as being straight. Mental disorders may be genetically inherent, but being a murderer, rapist, paedophile, that stuff is all a matter of upbringing, of background, of choices. To say otherwise makes a mockery of any sort of justice system, of any sort of prison. Certain things such as disorders may lend themselves to these things, but a child is not born to these... Paths.
0: Somebody I, else says, I don't um, know what, anyway. "Pedophiles are sick individuals." Full stop. Um, yeah, I suppose you know. It's just a really interesting. I mean, it's something I suppose we find fascinating, isn't it? Because it's such a dark kind of subject. I and don't
1: think that there is any way. I d- the doctor has said that there is a difference between people who can molest children yeah, and, and pedophiles. pedophiles. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, in any way, someone someone who is who has been treated badly and you know they've done something bad to children okay right that is apparent. I do think that there are people in this world who are born this way that mm-hmm. there is something in the brain genetically that has happened I, I just I just do um, Anne says I agree with the doctor I heard in a radio program a few re- years back the same thing paedophiles think what they do is natural they find kids sexually attractive they hide it as they know society says it's wrong why else would they want to hurt them that way he isn't saying you are only born that way um He's, uh, sorry, he's saying they're only born that way, only that you can be born that way. This is why they can never be trusted to be allowed out to roam free in society uh, because they're a constant threat. Well, the doctor has said that that just isn't true because the number of pedophilia, uh, people who are pedophilic in comparison to the people who have been convicted of it. Mm. It's not proportionate. He says that there there could be up to 5% of society that are paedophiles. So Mm. I don't think that they're all in prison, to be fair. Or indeed, that they've all done something wrong to children.
0: No, and somebody else says, uh, if they're born that way, then they can't be cured or rehabilitated. So they should be locked up for life. Uh, They're a danger to others. Um, um, a message saying apparently they're
1: able to say when kids are about four or five if they're going to be one. I would love to know what makes them think that. Just saw that message and I would have liked to have put that to the doctor. Um, another one for the doctor. So sorry about this. Asked the doctor to look at bonobo chimps as we come from apes. Bonobo chimps will have sex with all of their family. Um, what is uh, opinion on that? I'm not too sure if he knew about the chimps, so I'm sorry that we didn't see that either. Um, another one that says pedophiles are not guilty of sexual desires, they are guilty of sexual behaviour. A lot of research in Canada shows what this doctor is saying is true. To me it's an illness and a huge threat to families and kids. I wonder how does a mother of a paedophile feel and was there ever anything in her child that she felt was not right? Every mother has an instinct when it comes to their kids I believe. I don't know if you can have an instinct for something like that.
0: You've been listening to a
2: 98FM podcast. Download more at 98FM.com